Here in Minnesota, where I live, we are always looking for amusing things to do inside to stay warm and cozy when it gets freezing cold outside. For this wintry season, you and I are going to heat things up with a winter replay of my most playful, inspiring, and popular episodes from the past four seasons of Sadie's Divorced and Happy Podcast. I'm also including new intros in every episode so that we can stay connected until my deliciously tempting season five starts. So slip into something snugly warm and grab a hot and steamy drink. It's time to indulge in all of the winter replayfulness on Sadie's Divorced and Happy Podcast. Friend, hello. It is Wednesday. We are doing a winter replay today. I have decided in between season four and season five to replace some of my favorite, most inspiring, spicy episodes from all four seasons. And today's episode is from season one, and I'll talk about that in a minute, but I have a question for you. What are you doing for New Year's? New Year's is just around the corner. I love New Year's. I love bringing in the new year. I find it very inspiring. I'm going to be in Iowa. I know. You thought I was going to say something like Atlanta or New York or L.A. No, babe, I'm going to be in Iowa living the dream with my divorced sister from another mister. We're going to do some yoga. We're going to do some hiking or walking or whatever you do in Iowa. I know it's pretty flat, probably not hiking, but we're going to do we're going to be outside. okay? and it's actually kind of warm right now in the Midwest. It's like upper 40s. We're all loving it. We had a green Christmas, the first probably green Christmas I have ever had in my life, which is fantastic. And now it's almost New Year's, so I have a burning question just for you. Are you feeling happy with how 2023 is ending? It's not a trick question. I want you I want you to answer it. I actually had some really happy endings this year. I'm a business owner. I've shared that before. And I had an amazing year in sales, which was exciting. I started my divorced and happy meetup groups this year, and I've had Such an amazing time meeting people from different cities like Denver and Chicago. Of course, my hometown, the Twin Cities. We're having our Divorced and Happy Pajama Party on February 10th. And I have some other trips planned to other cities this coming year. So I can't wait to tell you more about those trips. So that's been a lot of fun. I had some other fun surprises professionally, things I wasn't expecting, some happy endings around all of that. And of course, I had a very happy ending with you and season four and my community on social media, especially Instagram. So lots of happy endings. And then I've really had some serious, lousy garbage dumpster moments this year too. Some really sad endings. Like, you know, most years have the happy and the sad. I mean, I've had heartbreak. I've had people in my life lose people near and dear to them, which has been so hard to witness. And I also have had my own grief around people who are no longer in my life. So yeah, it's been a mixed bag kind of year. And I don't know about you, but I've just come to accept, especially post-divorce, that life is just like that. It's this ongoing experience of happy and not so happy endings. And there's just, you know, only so much you can control over all of that, which still bums me out, but I accept it. You know, before my divorce, I used to think that perfection or hard work or kindness or being extra nice would lead to a guaranteed happy ending. And I, I have learned that is not the case. But on the flip side, I've, I've also learned that what actually can foster more happy endings, I'm still going to have some of those lousy garbage dumpster moments, but what can foster more happy endings in my life is my comfort with myself. So what I mean by that is 
If I'm feeling good about me, if I'm vibing with me, if I'm happy with myself, then I can much more easily accept life's imperfections or when things don't go as planned or when people leave my life, even if I don't want them to. If I'm good with me, it's easier to, you know, be with all of those things. So I find peace in that. I find peace in that. If I keep on investing into me and enjoying me, it's easier to handle those lousy, you know, ending moments that life is going to bring my way. How about you? Do you see happy endings different since your divorce? How do you now define a happy ending? Are you as invested into happy endings as maybe you were before your divorce? I would love to know your experience. We should have a chewy chat about it, which means you should DM me on the socials, all right, at Sadie's Divorce and Happy, and tell me what a happy ending now means to you. Well, today we're going to talk about happy endings, and in this episode, my guest, Dr. Elizabeth Cohen, she's the author of The Light on the Other Side of Divorce. She shares about her journey through her own divorce and how it empowered her to support others and write her book. And she also offers up some amazing tips to help you with your next passion project. Like maybe you're working on a memoir about your divorce. And in this episode, she also talks about this juicy thing called the afterglow process post-divorce. I know, sounds yummy, right? Well, on that tasty note, let's get this winter replay started with some burning questions. Burning questions. Let's turn up the heat for 60 seconds. Well, I am excited to turn up the heat with my guest, the final guest of season one of Sadie's Divorced and Happy, Dr. Elizabeth Cohen. Are you ready to answer some burning questions today? I sure am. Thank you so much, Sadie, for having me. All right. Before we dive in, how is my soulmate city, New York City doing? How is she? Uh, She is beautiful. She's rejuvenating. She's in the spring of blossoming Mm. back. She's blossoming back. It gives me a chill in the best way. I'm so happy to hear that. Well, now we're going to make these uh, questions extra spicy because of that good news. Okay. These questions have been tailored just for you. I'm putting 60 seconds on the clock. Here is our first question. What is your favorite holiday tradition? I would say... My favorite holiday tradition is sitting with my family and opening presents. 2021 was? Remarkable. How do you own your story? I live it in my body every day. If you could only eat one kind of holiday treat Mm. for the rest of your holiday experience, what would it be? On Hanukkah, we eat jelly donuts. So it'd be jelly donuts. What is your best dreidel advice for those who've never played a dreidel game? My advice is while it's spinning and you're waiting to see what letter it lands on, take some deep breaths and use it as a meditation. What did you learn about yourself through writing a book? That I am stronger and more powerful than I could ever imagine. Where do you go to find the light? I think I turn inward to my heart, my soul connected to that. Life after divorce is beautiful, abundant, amazing, outrageous, fun, exciting. Do you spike your hot chocolate? No, I don't drink. (laughs) What about 2022 are you most looking forward to? Connecting with other people. Being a divorce doctor is delicious because... I get to see the power of people stepping into their truth. Happy endings are... The beginning of something new. Oh, fantastic! How was that for you? That was fun for me. 
How that was, was so doing that with fun. my guests? Because I learned so many things about the guest from doing some burning questions. So thank you for that. Thank you. That was so fun. I used to love a, a game show that had that kind of <laughs> format. So I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are going to be talking about story today. And we all have a story to tell. I'm sure you agree to that. And I'm excited to learn more about your story today, along with some tips that you have for the listener when it comes to uh, if he or she is interested in writing a book, because you've written a book entitled Light on the Other Side of Divorce, Discovering the New You After Divorce. Isn't that so true? I want to hear about your story and what led to the inspiration of this book. Thank you for asking, Sadie. Um, I was just thinking and preparing to talk with you about story, how when I was going through my experience, it was the farthest thing from a coherent narrative you could imagine. So I was um, suddenly raising my children alone after asking my ex-husband to leave. He suffered from the disease of alcoholism and it no longer became any manageable for us to live together. So I asked him to leave when my kids were six months and two years old. Oh, wow. How long so, had you been married before you asked him to leave? We had been married eight years and I was petrified suddenly raising these two children alone, but I would felt safer and more secure than if he had been there. And so suddenly I needed to become both guide to them and also healer of myself. And I recall so vividly, you know, climbing into bed one night, so exhausted, probably not having showered in days, spit up all over me, who knows, and Googling divorce recovery and not finding anything. What year was that, may I ask? Yeah, this was in 2007. And I thought, I must not be able to recover then. Like, if it's not out there, this was before divorce coaches were popular. And so there was all the support we have now. Right. So I thought, oh my God, yeah, I'm not going to be able to get through this. And I have the privilege of all this education. I thought, okay, I'm going to just try to put together what I know. You know, I always say like one step forward, two steps back and piece together some sort of healing program because inside me, the part of me that I just referenced, um, where I find the light knew that life could be better. I didn't know how the hell it was going to be, but I thought, let's just try to figure out how. And I wrote the book because I never wanted another person to feel that way. And I use the library a lot as a resource when my children were little. And so the idea of walking into that library and story hour in New York City, you know, like Minnesota. Oh, it's such freezing. a gorgeous. Well, the library exactly. gorgeous, so it's very inspirational. It's beautiful. And yeah. then it's like freezing outside and you go inside and you finally take all your layers off. And if I had seen a book out of the corner of my eye, not even if I had been able to buy it, but a book that said light at the other side of divorce, I just think my whole nervous system would have been regulated and more calm and more peaceful. So I wrote it for that person too. And you wrote the book, what year again? Remind me. I wrote the book in 2019. So I wrote it. So um, it's quite a journey from 2007 to when you wrote the book. Well, because I was doing the book. I was like living the book. Right, you were living the book. It took me a a while before. I hadn't even thought about actually doing uh, a book on divorce until I was thinking about expanding. I'm the director of a clinic and I was thinking about expanding beyond being a psychotherapist and kept thinking about what I could teach about. And there's lots of things that I could teach about, but it just kept coming back that I, I should teach about the thing that I have actually embodied the journey through, and that was divorce. And that is often what makes the best story. 
you to yeah. write. I'm, I'm a writer as well. I write screenplays and it's always write, write what you know. That's the advice yeah. you get as a writer, write what you know. So you wrote what you knew and now exactly. you're empowering and inspiring and gifting so many people. So I was, I was peeking into your book and mm. I am so curious to learn about this afterglow process. <laughs> when I hear that, I think about sex. Okay, Elizabeth, yes. I just think about <laughs> sex. I'm just going to own that, but clearly that's not what you're talking about in your book. So what is that? It sounds so delicious. The, the afterglow process. Well, first of all, there is some very delicious sex after divorce too, which I thought you've had had an episode on on your podcast, right? Several, right? Um, Yes. Yeah, exactly. So a hundred percent feel free to associate that with sex. So the idea of afterglow is that while people think about divorce being a dark, difficult time, while that is a part of it, there is also the possibility of really shifting and becoming um, more connected to yourself and other people. And the key there with the book walks you through is focusing less on the other, less on the circumstance, which I, you know, the other could be really annoying and really difficult and really challenging. I'm not minimizing that, but putting the focus on you. And this came from my own experience where I um, was telling a story to a bunch of parents. They'd asked me about my ex and I told this dramatic story and there were many dramatic stories and they were all emotional and they were so empathic. And I left the playground and in way it is in my memory. And of course, this is probably a story too, is that there was two paths in Central Park. And I had this moment of, you have a choice. You could continue the rest of your life telling these really dramatic stories, which by the way, make me feel worse. Or you can figure out compassionately and lovingly, how did you get here? And what do you want to do differently? Mm-hmm. And that's what getting to the afterglow is. It's looking inside gently and lovingly and figuring out how you ended up there and how to do it differently next time. And that's where the real hero's journey begins. Don't you think in, in our own story is when we can own our story and, and not give the power to someone else about exactly. our story. That's what exactly. I've learned in the last three years through since yes. my divorce. Really well said. And I think also understanding that there's parts of the, there's so many parts to the story and which role, as you said, of the hero, do if you want to be the hero or do you want to be the victim? Your own protagonist. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's so easy to stay in that victim state because I think when you're traumatized, you do, you feel wounded Mm -hmm. and, and it does take time and intention to work through that. So that's, I mean, we both agree that's part of the process, that victim mentality is just, it is, it is sort of part of the process, but you don't want to stay there. You don't want to stay there. You want to get to the light, to the other side. Exactly. Exactly. And you want that to be validated. So it's as a therapist and as a teacher, it's very important to both validate that experience of pain and show and suggest and encourage the possibility of growth. It's a dialectic. It's, It's holding both at the same time. So the process of writing a book, now I've written scripts, but I have never written a book that feels a little daunting. So what advice do you have to the listener when it comes to starting, like just starting and then other tips that you can, can offer up because you've gone through the process. I'm so curious to hear what you you recommend. 
first I want to say a hearing about screenplays, writing a screenplay makes me feel so daunting. So we all have our, we all have our thing. I'm sure, I'm sure you're wonderful at what you do. Um, so a few tips. I mean, I was deeply overwhelmed and I think a lot of people are overwhelmed by, you know, how will I produce 200 pages or this, you know, vast amount of information. And what I did is um, what I teach my clients. Um, I'm a cognitive behavioral therapist. And so we break things down into small pieces. I love so that. Baby every, steps, Elizabeth. Baby steps, because we can all do baby steps, but none of, I mean, no one can sit down and write a 200 page book, but I could commit to Mondays and Fridays from nine to 11, turning off everything and writing. No expectation for me of word count, just the hours. That's what worked for me. And I wrote the book in four months. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, because I started to feel the flow. And when I was able to write at other times, I didn't. I took time to kind of take care of myself. I didn't go out of those boundaries because I felt like it was... It, that would then lead me into this kind of frenetic urgency. I had really strong boundaries about it. I think it was also, this is another tip, but really important for me to stay within the boundaries because what I was writing was emotional. So there were many times. It would be yeah. kind of exhausting Oof. going through that, even two hours, totally. four hours a week. Exactly. There were moments, many moments where I had to stop. And I talk about this in the book and actually move my body I, you know, I, a lot of the therapy that I do for trauma with clients is an embodied work. And so I would start, you know, retelling a story of my experience and, you know, really have my body feel the tension and the tightness. And I'd get up, I'd put some music on, I'd move my hips. I really regulated my body while, while I was writing. So I was always, the other second tip I would say is always be aware of your physiological and emotional experience while you're writing. It's not a, you don't go into a zone where you're, you're not there anymore. You don't dissociate your present. So you need to keep an eye on that. That's another tip I would give. So blocking time, you allowed yourself mm -hmm. to have this really structured time and you put really concrete boundaries around that. And then mm -hmm. just really paid attention to that physical experience. Exactly. Right. And the third thing that I did was I really just said yes to my intuition. So for me, for example, there were some things that I thought, oof, I don't know if I should write this. You know, it's very uncomfortable in my position. Yeah, we do often edit ourselves when we should yes. really need to do that. It's exactly. our story, right, Elizabeth? Exactly. And as a therapist, you know, I'm trained to, was really trained to be a blank slate. So sharing myself was even more difficult because I would hear these voices of you're not supposed to do that. You know, who do you think you are kind of thing. So I would have to notice that kind of push through and then also remind myself that there's someone out there I don't even know what they look like, but it desperately needs this book. And so I kept reminding myself that there was somebody who needed me to push that little bit more and share a little bit deeper and having a connection to that person. And for me, again, it wasn't really, some people like to visualize a person. I couldn't, it was just this idea of someone. And a lot of times it was me before I went through this, um, needs to hear this voice. So to push myself to really be authentic because somebody needs it. You touched on a topic I wanna, I wanna talk about for just a minute. I'm gonna ask you to put not just your author hat on now, but also your psychologist hat on because there is this theme of not enoughness that we still in our, our 40s and 50s, 60s struggle with. It's like this cultural thing that we're indoctrined to feel not enough. And I find even you know, men I've interviewed, men that are my friends, 
you know, I think we sometimes think as women that men don't even that yeah. don't feel this way because they're not talking about it maybe as openly that we are, but everyone's feeling this way, this not enoughness. And I think it prohibits people from taking these steps to create the story, to start the book. Can you, can you give any advice to the listener on how do you shut that out and just baby step it, do it? Yeah. Yeah. So I talk about in my book, actually identifying the voice for me, um, it was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not so bad for me. Or who do I think I am? Or I want everyone to consider identifying what that sounds like for them. Like I'm not enough. I'm not worthy. There's some, there's some voice that pops up and I'd encourage everybody to write it down and have it next to you on a card when you're, when you're doing your work and when it comes up, notice it. This is about bringing attention to something that comes up and saying, I hear you. I love you. Exactly. I love you. Yes. And I'm, I'm so, I hear you. I hear that you're scared. I'm going to keep writing my love, but I, I know that you're here and you're scared. So it's, it's similar to what we do in meditation where we just notice the thought and allow it and don't judge it and don't attach to it. We just allow it and keep doing what we're doing, but we notice it. I think a lot of times the problem is that people try to push it away or have, and we just want to honor it. It's coming up. It's part of our culture, as you said, for many people, especially marginalized people from marginalized group, it's adaptive. So we don't want to, you know, push it away. We want to say, we recognize you, but you're safe here and you can keep writing. Thank you. That's beautiful. And so helpful. Now I'm curious to learn, did you have a group that you would meet with to process your pages? I have a group that I'm meet with every month and it's so helpful. I mean, we've been meeting for 10 years. So just to have that consistency and accountability, did you have anything like that? You know, I didn't have that um, because I came from the therapy world into the writing world kind of in this roundabout way, but I do have weekly groups for talking about all the therapy work I do. And so being in community and having work move through me has always, it's always been based on that. Wonderful. Well, happy endings. I mean, we all want a happy ending. How Mm -hmm. does your definition of a happy ending look differently at this stage in life versus maybe when you were in your twenties, let's say? Hmm. It's a good question. I mean, I think I would say that a happy ending for me is always that I learned something. Mm, What did I learn from what I just went through? Oh, say that That again, girl. Say that again from New York City. That's powerful. Right? Like that's what I would learn. A happy ending is another growth opportunity. How did what I just let go of move me forward in my own journey? I am not my experiences. I am me. So if an experience is ending, it's teaching me something. And so I just say it's another opportunity to learn. And divorce is such a teacher, isn't it? Oh, I don't think there's any. That and having children are yes. probably my, my greatest <laughs> teachers. They really they bring are. You, they bring you to your knees. And that's because, you know, my professional opinion is that a lot of what comes up and gets stirred up is our old history in both of those circumstances, being a parent, how we were parented, relationships, how people related to us. So it's some deep, deep work if you're willing to do it and so rewarding. Well, I know as a writer, and I know you'll agree to this, that a lot of writing is rewriting. Yes. yes? I mean, <laughs> yes. I wouldn't it be nice if there wasn't such a thing as rewriting, but actually I've exactly. learned, learned to enjoy it. 
it's taken me 10 years, but I've learned to enjoy mm. it. So what advice do you have for the listener when it comes to rewriting a happy ending after a divorce? Mm. You know, I think it's so important that people understand that you create the narrative of yourself and that you have a choice. Just like I said about my experience with the two paths, like you can decide whether this divorce taught you what kind of relationship you want to have to yourself or to another person. You can think that it taught you how you want to be in this world. I mean, I, I left my marriage and gained deep wisdom about myself and have a much more abundant life than I ever could have had if I hadn't faced what I needed to face in my divorce. And it wasn't anything about him. It was about myself. And so I would say the rewriting is a, it's a gift if you get to rewrite, because that means something needs to be shifted just a little bit. So there can be more beauty. So embrace rewriting, embrace reinvention. Um, I wish we were more open to that in our culture. I agree. That is one thing about divorce that I have found so empowering. That is that, that I have been given the gift of a fresh start, that I've been given this gift because I choose to see it that way of reinventing myself, of reimagining my happy ending. Yes, Absolutely. exactly. And speaking of happy, I am just so happy that we had this conversation and Me that too. you and I were able to end my season one on this powerful note about you know, creating your own narrative that I love this quote that you give, you create the narrative of yourself. That is just so powerful. And I, you know, again, happy belated Hanukkah. Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> and happy, happy new year, 2022. You. Are you ready? Oh my gosh. No, I'm not. No. I don't even know. <laughs> I keep thinking, I keep, I, I have lost a lot of sense of time. I am really, but I'm, I'm ready to celebrate with everybody that I love and care about and, um, hope that the next few years bring everyone exactly what they desire. Absolutely. Do you have a new year's tradition? Yeah, I typically, um, before COVID, I would go to my yoga studio and we would do yoga and bring in the new year with yo a yo yoga meditation. Um, and now I do it over zoom, but I also get to spend some good time with my family. Wonderful. And how can the listeners spend some time with you, Elizabeth? Oh, yes. Well, you can check out my podcast. I actually have a podcast called the Divorce Doctor Podcast, and I interview people who've gone through divorce, and they talk really about their experience and their hope and what has moved them through in a positive to a positive direction post-divorce as we've been talking about today, Sadie. Um, my website is the is drelizabethcohen.com, which is drelizabethcohen.com. And on Instagram, I'm at the divorce doctor. And I love hearing from people and getting DMs. I'm here to support in any way that I can. And your book is on Amazon and where yeah. else? Bookstores, so I assume, across the country? Yeah. Since COVID, I've been trying to encourage people to go to bookshop.com. That's a conglomerate of a lot of small bookstores. Um, so you can get it there and you can get it on Amazon. It's available in audio and Kindle. It's also, since it's the holiday time, it's a really beautiful gift to get for someone who you know who's considering divorce, who's just gone through just divorce. Just through a divorce, yes. Yeah, sometimes we don't know what's best for us. So it's good to have friends who help us out. Well, you have sure helped me and the listener out today, and I am so grateful grateful. I look forward to hearing more about what you are doing in 2022. So please stay in touch, Elizabeth. For sure. Thank you so much, Sadie, for having me. 
Oh, that was such an inspiring chat, the perfect way to end the year. Now, I bet you are over there thinking about your post-divorce afterglow, right? Or maybe you're thinking about that book you're going to start next year, or maybe you're thinking about all the great sex you're going to have next year. It's all good. It's all exciting stuff to think about. Plus, isn't it also exciting to think about all the wisdom you're going to bring into your life in 2022 and all the new things that you're going to experience that you don't even know about yet? I love that about a new year. All the mystery, all the possibility. I know a year ago when I began this podcast with my pilot episode entitled Fresh Starts, I had no idea really what it was like to drop a podcast episode every week. I just knew that I wanted to connect with people like you and talk about happiness after divorce. And I will say I have learned a lot in the last 12 months. I mean, a lot, not only about an array of life after divorce topics, I've learned also how many inspiring people are out there doing great things through all the guests that I've had on my podcast. And I've also learned, and most importantly, I have been reminded that I love the process and the process, not the goal. The process is where the gold is and where you really learn about yourself. And I want to thank you and, and all of my guests for being on this playful journey with me. Now, we are just two days away from another year filled with fresh starts and happy endings. And thinking about both makes me feel so happy, which makes it the perfect time to share a tip to happiness with you. Say these tips to happiness. My tip this week is show up for yourself in 2022. What does that mean? Well, showing up for yourself means that you make choices that honor your needs. I know one thing I have learned this year is that I didn't really know what I needed in relationships until someone asked me directly. And now I not only know what I need in relationships, but I also practicing how to ask for what I need, which has been such a powerful way to show up for myself this year. So honor your needs in 2022. That is a perfect way to show up for yourself. Another way to show up for yourself in 2022 is to commit. I know I have said this before in my tips to happiness, but committing to yourself is the best commitment you're ever going to make. I promise. So what do you really want to commit to in 2022? Show up for yourself in those commitments. Showing up for yourself also means that you celebrate yourself and your story and all of its beautiful ups and downs. I mean, just think how much your story has taught you. Even in the last 12 months, well, I want you to celebrate all that you've learned from your story in the new year and showing up for yourself. And this is one of my favorite ways to show up for myself. It also means that you don't take yourself so seriously, right? Be more playful with your fine, fabulous self in 2022. I mean, I'm sure you do funny shit all the time. Lean into that more in the new year. Showing up for yourself also means listening to your beautiful body and your glorious mind and your delicious heart because they are telling you what you need all the time. Just think 12 months ago, I didn't even know you. And now look at how much fun we've had together. Well, before the ball drops, I want you to celebrate where you were 12 months ago and where you are now and all that you've learned and been through and all the playful moments you've given yourself in this last year and all the juicy adventures you've had. And I bet you've had so many happy endings this year and you didn't even know it. So raise a glass to yourself this New Year's and know that I'm going to be raising a glass to you as well. 
I want to thank you for showing up weekly for this podcast and celebrating with me happiness, playfulness, and spicy fun after divorce. Spending time with you every week this year has been such a gift to me, and I want to thank you for being part of my happy ending this year. Now I want you to be sure to visit my guest, Dr. Elizabeth Cohen's website, and also follow her on social media. All of her information is in the show notes. Of course, don't end this year without subscribing, reviewing, or rating my podcast. And please also visit my website, divorcedandhappy.net, where you'll find all 46 episodes of Sadie's Divorced and Happy. And be sure to follow me on social media. I'm on Instagram and Facebook at Sadie's Divorced and Happy. If you've been enjoying this podcast for the last year now, or if you found this episode especially inspiring, I would love for you before the new year ends to buy me a cup of coffee. And it's so simple. Just visit buymeacoffee.com backslash Sadie Marie, and you can buy me a cup or two online. And I thank you so much for your support. You can find this beautiful clip of It's a Wonderful Life on YouTube, and I've even included it in my show notes. I am your host, Sadie Marie, looking forward to creating some new beginnings with you in 2022. Until then, you take good care.